Father, we do pray that you would bless us now as we turn our minds and hearts to the scriptures and what you have to say to us in them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, today we consider the continuing story of Joseph and um, really his continuing sorrows. Uh, Some days, perhaps you know, go from bad to worse. Cast your mind back to your school days, perhaps uh, your school uniforms. One morning, they're all dirty. They're all in the wash. You have to drag one out and put it on, trudge off to school. The maths teacher busts you. Even when you didn't do anything wrong, your mum then forgets to pick you up after basketball practice as arranged. And this is a terrible day, perhaps capped off by the fact that it's disgusting tuna pasta that you don't like for dinner. You know the kind of days that, um, that people have and you have. Sometimes life can seem like a series of setbacks, not just for the day, but whole years and decades. Where's God? Has he forgotten me? Joseph might have felt like that. He's had three blows that we've had over the last three weeks. Firstly, sold into slavery by his loving brothers. Secondly, falsely accused by his um, mistress, his master's wife, and jailed. And then today, the sad story of him being forgotten. Forgotten by a man who might have lifted him out of the pit that he was in. So today I want to briefly think about the story and then make some reflections on it. So let's look at the story and if you've got a chance to have Genesis 40 open, all the better. The story really is of a golden opportunity to make an impression on a man who might help Joseph, um, but an opportunity that Joseph takes and yet apparently it comes to nothing. Uh, We left Joseph in jail last week, if you were with us. um, He had impressed the chief jailer with his ability to make things happen and make them happen well, and he'd been given, therefore, responsibilities in jail. And when these two high officials of Pharaoh, the cupbearer and the baker, they sound like they might be humble kind of things to do, but no, these these men were powerful men with the uh, proximity to Pharaoh and the ear of Pharaoh and the, the responsibility to serve Pharaoh that made them important. And they had fallen out of favour, to be sure, and they were then languishing in jail awaiting their fate, but there was um, you know, the chance they would be reappointed, restored, and influential again. And so um, they're looked after, and Joseph is given that job. Joseph, as we meet him here, he's not you know, bitter, he's not morose or surly, he's not self-pitying and self-absorbed, as you might be if these things had happened to you. Um, on the morning after the high officials have had these vivid dreams, um, Joseph saw that they were troubled. He was not so self-focused um, that he didn't see what was going on for others. And so he asked Pharaoh's officials, um, what, why are your faces downcast today? Uh, sensitive to these men and, and the kind of person that they were willing to open up to. We've had dreams, they said, and there's no one to interpret them. Um, dream interpretation in ancient Egypt was prized and so anyone who had a vivid dream would hope to get an interpretation and not to have one was troubling. Joseph then offers to help with this and, and really we are, um, it's revealed to us for the first time that, that there is this new gift that God has given to Joseph. We don't know if he's done interpretation of dreams before. We know he's had dreams and reported them to his brothers, but this is the first time his gift for reading dreams has come to the fore. 
The chief cupbearer is the first to trust his dream to Joseph. He says, in my dream, there is a vine before me and on the vine there are three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms came out and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand. I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Joseph brings a good news from this dream that Pharaoh will restore the cupbearer to his former position in three days. And at this point, Joseph, having had this opportunity to speak to the cupbearer and to interpret his dream, makes his plea, says, you know, since you're going back to Pharaoh's side, remember me when it is well with you. Please do me the kindness to make mention of me to Pharaoh and so get me out of this place. For in fact, I was stolen out of the land of the Hebrews and here also I have done nothing that they should put me in this dungeon. And here's our little window into Joseph's sorrow and the blows he has received are summarized, sold and falsely accused. The word translated dungeon there, I've done nothing that they should have put me into the dungeon. That's the same word that uh, is used in the account of Joseph throwing, uh, being thrown by his brothers into a pit. It's the same word. And so Joseph is saying, in, well, you could translate it, though, I've done nothing that they should have put me into the pit. And so that kind of gives you a, a sense of how Joseph feels about his situation, that he feels like he's back really uh, where his brothers put him, in that pit in the wilderness, the cistern, and he's living there and he can't get out. Well, having made this appeal, before the cupbearer has a chance to respond, the baker chips in. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favourable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There are three cake baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket there were all sorts of baked foods for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. Uh, What would you make of that dream if you were charged with giving a reading of it, it's, well, it doesn't have the kind of orderly calm, does it, of the, the cup, baker, a cup bearer's dream. Uh, and perhaps the baker held back because he felt like there was something not quite right, you know, the, the but there. I had all this stuff for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And those birds eating the bread cakes signal that all is not well in this dream and Joseph's grim interpretation of the dream well it confirms his honesty Uh, if Joseph were just trying to tell stories to curry favor of men who might be in a position to help him one day um, he'd probably put a positive spin on the baker's dream but he's honest he doesn't do that he he speaks truth even to power and Joseph's reading is therefore proved, uh, is, is proved by events to be genuine. So on the third day, Pharaoh has this birthday feast and he summons the cupbearer and the baker and the cupbearer is restored and the baker is hanged, just as Joseph had interpreted to them. Now, if you were Joseph, you might at this point hope that the cupbearer would indeed remember you as, as someone who'd been good to him, good to you in prison as someone who had gifts from God that proved to be genuine. If you were Joseph, you might hope that your plea, therefore, would find an answer from the cupbearer. Do me the kindness of making mention of me to Pharaoh and so get me out of this place. However, 
the very last verse of the chapter, verse 23, the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. And so slowly the third blow falls on Joseph. There's no help coming and the pit is going to continue to be his lot. There is the sad story of Genesis 40. Let me make a couple of reflections on it. Firstly, this is the low point, you may be pleased to know, of Joseph's story. We're not going to come back next week to some other tale of woe, but uh, things are going to get better. The cupbearer will have reason to remember Joseph. But you might ask, why is Joseph's story as it is? Why, when the Lord is with him, when he has gifts and he blesses others, Why does he yet suffer? Why is he sold and falsely accused and then forgotten? Well, I can't explain the mystery of that in some ways, but we can note this, that Joseph is going to be the saviour of many people and his story is going to be a story with a certain shape. Firstly, the shape of humiliation. So he's going to fall to the bottom as we find him here and he's going to be one who suffers and who is ill-used and that's the humiliation and that is an important part of his story. Um, There is, however, another part to his story which is exaltation, part two, where he rises to the top and he acts in power to save, to save many, to save people throughout Egypt and beyond, from the famine that's coming. And you might, I might ask, you know, does this pattern sound familiar, this pattern of humiliation followed by exaltation? And it is familiar. And if I remind you of Philippians 2, 8 and 9, we read that he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name. And of course, we're talking about Jesus. Um, Paul uh, talks about Jesus who walked consciously and by choice this path, this path of humiliation followed by exaltation in order to be a saviour. Joseph is walking that path as a kind of foreshadowing of Jesus. Uh, Joseph is being led along this path. He has not chosen it. He is not conscious of where it's going but he is to serve as a kind of prototype of what it means to be the Lord's servant, what it means to be one through whom God saves many. So in that way, Joseph's uh, sufferings serve to show us of how God acts in salvation in the world and through the humiliation and exaltation of the Saviour. But uh, Joseph can also speak... To us, I think, as we follow Christ, we follow him in the same pattern of his life, through weaknesses, through sufferings, through setbacks and down various pits. Uh, that's, that's also part of what it is to follow Christ and be a Christian. The life of faith is a life of joy. You know, Joseph is not kind of overcome with despair, he's not morose, he's not bitter. And, you know, if we look at Paul in that uh, reading from 2 Corinthians 12, Paul is not crushed by his weaknesses, by his his sufferings and setbacks. He's buoyant in some ways. The tone of that, that, um, that passage in 2 Corinthians 
but the life of faith is the life of faith in which Jesus says, as he said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, despite, you know, your difficulties, your sufferings and weaknesses and torments. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. So when you feel stuck in a pit, when you feel forgotten, you might wonder if God has forgotten you. People may forget you, as the cupbearer forgot Joseph, but God will not forget you. Jesus said, Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Uh, Joseph needed to wait and see where all these things in his life led. And he had reason in the end to look back with, with satisfaction, with, with faith and with understanding. We need to wait also uh, to the end to perhaps be able to look back on some of the things in our life with satisfaction and faith and understanding. But Jesus shows us and Joseph shows us where God takes us. He may take us through humiliation and weakness, but he doesn't leave us there. There is the exaltation to come. So, shall we pray? Father, um, help us to learn from what Joseph suffered and what we see him suffer to make sense of your work in the world, uh, the way that you save many through the suffering and exaltation of your servant, and also to make sense of our own lives, that as we follow the Saviour and we live uh, in his footsteps, we suffer to our various setbacks and various um, disappointments. And so help us not to despair, but to trust that you have not forgotten us, that you never forget us, and that you will bring us in the end to yourself, full of joy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.